going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two-Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. But this is a pull-up version because we have this artist in studio that we spoke to her a couple months ago, virtually. But now she's in my city, my town, my country, in my studio. Sit down and talk. You know what we have in the building today? We have Twiggy in the building today. What's going on, my sister? Toronto. <laughs> But they're in other place. Yeah. With Muscle himself. Hey, Muscle. Right here. What you do? I'm great yourself? I'm doing great. Mm-hmm. It's cold, but I'm fine. It's, eh. To tell you the truth, it's only been cold today. today. Yeah. yeah. But the other days, it was almost like It was like, like summer. summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you've been here many times touring everything, you know when it's ready to get cold, mm-hmm. it's ready to get mm-hmm. cold. So we're okay right now. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. Yeah. All right. Welcome back to Toronto. You Thank know? you. Thank you for having me. Um, I, I was so excited. I, I couldn't even sleep last yeah. night. <laughs> <laughs> right here. And I'm so happy that you're here too. And what are you even doing in Toronto of all places right now? Well, you know, Twiggy will always be Twiggy. Mm-hmm. Music, you know, don't play it, do the work, you know, um, muscle. Yeah. And, and and plus, I have my, my mother and uh, my sisters and nieces and nephews and stuff okay. here. So, so you know, so I'm running from the family more time and thing, you know that. Yeah. So it's pleasure and business. So it's pleasurable business. Oh, you know, so. Um, hey, I'm just guessing. <laughs> <laughs> pleasurable business, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And how many times, do you remember how many times you've been to Toronto? So many times, I, yeah. I stopped counting, you know. Yeah. I mean, I've been coming to Toronto since I was in my 20s. Yeah. And so I'm still in my 20s. That's what I was, you, yeah. you took yeah. the words, so I was going to say about the last mm. two or three years now yeah, you've been yeah. coming? Yeah, maybe, ah. Boy, yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm still in my 20s, mm-hmm. so yeah. I, I've, I've stopped counting though. Yeah. Would you say you count or you stopped counting after probably four times, five times, ten no, times? Maybe, maybe after ten times. That's so crazy. But before we even get too far into this conversation, because I know we got a, we had a real great deep conversation last time we spoke, mm-hmm. but I want to give the people a recap so then they could probably even go back and go watch the um the other podcast that we did together, you know what I mean? Okay. So then we just want to talk about who Twiggy is quickly, what she's done, what camp she's been around and stuff like that. So then give them, some, give them a little snippet of who Twiggy is. Okay, so in a nutshell... <clears throat> Twiggy started out in 1989. Um, I was recruited by um, Tinga Stewart, mm. who was introduced to me by my sister. And um, But Tinga had me doing background vocals for his first, what, like a big international track that he was doing. So mm-hmm. that was the audition I had to do to sing background vocals. Thing I never know if we can sing background vocals or not. He just took me to mm-hmm. Penthouse. Mm-hmm. That was my first time at Penthouse. And just fling me around at the back. You know, well, my sister was around there with me, but then she couldn't deal with it. So she said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I don't need this, mm-hmm. you know? And she left me around there. So I, when I ended up um, doing the song, thing I was so excited. He ran with it mm-hmm. to like the likes of... Boris Gardner, Roddy Thomas, um, Derek Harriet, you know, Don Collingham, uh, all, all of those crooners, mm-hmm. you know, and um, they took me under their wings and 
you know, I, I did a lot of work with them, um, you know, doing uh, shows, studio work, um, commercials, some of the little Jamaican commercials that okay. some of them even play. Uh, I think even one right now is still playing on the radio in Jamaica. Right now? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that one is me and Nadine Sutherland did that one. But mm-hmm. we'll sing that for you later. <laughs> but anyway, um, after that, I was introduced to Toots from Toots Cinematos. I was very young at the time, but um, Toots just... Uh, just automatically took me on the road with him and I started touring mm-hmm. and um, in touring with Toots um, I you know I got to see what the the, the world was like uh, you know like very quickly mm-hmm. and then um, in the middle of that the Japanese came to Jamaica <laughs> and they they were working with uh, like a, a chosen few mm-hmm. And I was one of them. I don't know how they did their picks or whatever, but I was one of them that they chose to work with. So I ended up having to go to Japan and all these places, um, like over and over, you know, and do what works. And, you know, having hit songs in Japan and, and do, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, after that, mm-hmm. Darwin Jeremy met me while I was in Japan. And um, he asked me to become a part of Penthouse Crew. And there we have it. Um, after that, everything just mm-hmm. blew up even more. And um, the Twigster became Twiggy. Yeah. And um, that's, that's how it, you know, it all fell into place after that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's in a nutshell because of the amount of things you did. You even stopped before you even got over to shocking vibes. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Patrick, if you're watching this, don't kill me. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, after Penthouse, yeah? Mm-hmm. I I went over to shocking vibes. I was signed to shocking vibes, and I was with them for a while, too, yeah? Mm-hmm. And uh, working, you know, with, you know, Beanie and, and the crew. So, yeah, and, and there are so many other things in between the little... The little gaps then were because I'm trying to do a quick summary. Mm-hmm. I have to just be skipping. But it's so many different things about Twiggy that um, only people like Muscle and, and Tisha and all people can pull out of me, you know? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm happy to actually speak to somebody like you that's done a lot of work, even though people might not know the name right away. Mm-hmm. But the body of work that you've done and your mm-hmm. contribution to this business called reggae business business is immense you understand mm-hmm. and that's why i like to have these type of conversations to really see the real key players that move things around we hear a final song and yeah it's beanie man at the forefront you're hearing you know but then there's seven eight other voices to make beanie man sounds like one and you're definitely one of those voices here also oh thank I mean, you definitely, thank you definitely what I wanted to, with this conversation, I wanted to more go along the lines of memories because we went into more facts before. So then now I want to go into your brain and see the world, how you seen it from back then to right now. So you said Tinga Stewart was really your entrance into the music business. Did you, besides doing the background vocals for the song, did you do any more work with um, Tinga Stewart at that time there? 
actually, no. Mm-hmm. Singer just took me to, as I said, all the crooners and just left me there. Mm-hmm. You know, he used to check in, you know, because even after Boris Garden and all these people, he introduced me to like Charlie Chaplin, Sugar Minot, uh Tristan Palmer, mm-hmm. all these people, Little John, all these people. So I was well protected mm-hmm. in the industry. And I was I, I I I was well trained in a sense, so that is why I guess by the time I I, I went to Penthouse, mm-hmm. well, I mean, could angle anything because yo I was around the DJ them hardcore, mm-hmm. um you know and I was around the, the singers so yeah you know Tinga was there in the background mm-hmm. but we never worked together. Do you ever have any memorable conversations with Tinga Stewart back then where he actually told you something, you've seen him do something, some specific memory about Tinga Stewart back then? I just remember Tinga, um, when he just started out taking me to the studio and stuff, Tinga used to come for me at my house on him like a bike. I'm afraid of bike. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, when Tinga came to the house, Mm-hmm. He had to meet my whole entire family because my parents and they weren't into this music industry thing. And I wasn't supposed to be going to no studio and being around all these men and stuff. So so uh, apart from Tinga, my eldest sister, mm-hmm. she had to be my chaperone everywhere I went. So... If we're not hunting a bike, if it's three of us, we're not hunting a bike. Mm-hmm. We have to drive on our way. But Tinga was always so protective, mm-hmm. you know, of me. So um, that's that's what I remember mostly about Tinga. And he was very, um, he, he was very encouraging. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he... He taught me a lot about the music too, not in so many words, but he but he taught me a little trick or two to the trade, you know. Mm-hmm. So he was really the first star at that time because he was uh, already arrested at that time. Then. Mm-hmm. So then, listen, your parents aren't really into the music business. This rasta big man is coming for you at the house to make my daughter come do what? A myth, I tell you. <laughs> Because for one, mm-hmm. I remember my parents and other parents who weren't into that type of thing, them used to just say Rasta as smoke weed, take drugs, and walk barefoot or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? So when I just started out, um, nobody couldn't tell my mother, said, me not going to start smoke weed. You know, because my father was more chill, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, he was an old soldier, but he was more chill. He used to just watch and watch and just, you know, just just keep an eye out. But my mother now, she mm-hmm. was like the, the mother hen, you know? She was like so overprotective of me, and I'm the baby. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like her baby, because even now coming out to you, he's like, she she was like, okay, make sure. And, this, and and you know where you're going? And blah, blah, blah. You know, she's still like that with me, you know. So. It would never, that maternal instinct never leaves her. You're always the baby. You could be one or you could be 100. You're always going to be the baby in her eyes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Always the baby. So, um, so yeah, it wasn't fun mm-hmm. for them to see 
me going oh but as I said, thing I had to come and meet with them and talk to them and they realized I think I was a decent guy and stuff mm -hmm. and you know, thing uh you know, had a good art and all that. So they trusted me with him. Good there. You said you linked with um Charlie Chaplin and um Sugar Mine also. Did you who did you do more work with? Charlie Chaplin or Sugar Mine or it was just an introduction? I was around them a lot. I, I I can't say I did a lot of work with them. Mm -hmm. I did probably mostly like background vocals for them, mm -hmm. you know, but I was always around them. I, I remember I, I I worked with Tristan Palmer more than how I worked with um Charlie or Sugar, but it was always at the studio, the CM studio and stuff mm -hmm. and quite a few more people, but um uh you know, it's like I I remember Tristan more than anybody else and Charlie. Mm -hmm. They always used to say to me, because they were so overprotective of me. You know, like how some girls in the music industry have some sob stories and say how they were, you know. I never had that. Yeah, that wasn't an issue. Everywhere I, I, I went to, all the males around me were so protective of me. Mm -hmm. So Charlie and Tristan especially used to say to me, if even a fly fly past you too hard, we have to kill them. <laughs> you know, and they meant it, you know. Mm -hmm. Even now, if, it, if I talk to Tristan, he, he, he sounds the same way, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, you're my sister, you know. We hurt people for you. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, but I, I would say I did a lot of work with them. I was just around them a lot and mm -hmm. just learned the ropes yeah. from them too. I remember this is again, Tinga Stewart. Rastaman, Sugar Miner, mm -hmm. Rastaman, Tristan Palmer, Rastaman, Charlie Chaplin, Rastaman. So at this time here, were you ever influenced to become a Rasta at that time there yourself, or you were just soaking in the music scene altogether? No, I am never a follower. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, if, even from my, when I was a child, mm -hmm. I never followed anyone. I always set the trend, mm. you know, as simple, as simple as it might be, I'm always a trendsetter. And so um, coming into the music business and seeing all the rasters and stuff never faced me, you know. I, I didn't even care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, seeing people smoke and stuff, I've never smoked in all my life. Okay. Never even tried. Never smoked even a cigarette. Yeah. You know, people used to fold up the leaf and the paper. Never even tried that. Yeah. Ne never. I was never interested. I was never interested in, in, in drinking or drugs or even partying. Mm -hmm. It was just about the music. So even now people see me in the industry and they're like, she's so laid back, you know. But that's just me. When my girlfriend sing. Yeah. I'm going to blow you away, but when I'm not singing and stuff, I'm just chill. Just chilling. That's cool there. So then now you're hanging out with all the great entertainers at this time here. So then now when you met like Toots now, where was he in his career? Was he that monster artist already? Was he just on to come up? Where was he as an artist at that time? He was already a monster artist, you know, but he was never... He was never given the, the the flowers in Jamaica, you know, mm -hmm. at a time. He was he was huge abroad, you know, and especially Caucasians. Mm -hmm. He was, I think when I started touring with him, he was signed, I think, with um, 
Island Record or something like that. Okay. I mean, the first time I I went into a tour bus, tour bus, it was with Toots. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing like, whoa, this bus that looked like a house. I never knew this existed, you know? Yeah. So, so Toots was always huge. And, you know, I, I, I went to places. I never started touring um, Europe with Toots at that time um, as yet. But, you know, I went to every state in America. And Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been to Canada several times with Toots, yeah. And um, you know, you know, with Toots and I mean it's it has always been like massive and and as I say, the people that follow Toots is not the typical Jamaican audience. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he was massive at the time. And you learned that right away because I guess when you had met him in Jamaica, as you said, he wasn't really getting yeah, he was a big man at that time there, but he wasn't really getting his flowers mm-hmm. at that time they're like so i guess it's like when you really left the first time you left with him you realize like whoa mm-hmm. this is a man man right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? yeah and um <clears throat> you know the people that wanted to tour with him that wanted him to to come on their tours mm-hmm. uh, i mean it, it was mind-blowing you know because because we have been on tour with the rolling stones <laughs> What? Dave Matthews Band. Yeah, um, so many of those are like pop, pop and, and rock and country stars. Mm-hmm. They would kill just a tour with us. And we've been with Rolling Stones on several Rolling Stones tour. Uh, well, I've been on maybe about yeah. three Rolling Stones tour with him and he has done more than that. And and I've been on like two Dave Matthews tour with him. And he's been, so, I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But... Jamaican people didn't know that. What was it like? Okay, let's go, Rolling Stones. What was it like now? Again, you're fresh in the music business at this time here. You're not really used to this craziness. So what was this now? Like touring with Toots and the Rolling Stones. What was it like on the road at that time there? Okay, when I just started off fresh, I didn't do the Rolling Stones as yet, but we did other people. But, you know, I was young and... I, I never really followed the music like that, mm. you know, country music and yeah. rock music and stuff. So it was when I was a little bit more, you know, you know, grounded and 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 older mm-hmm. that we started touring with Rolling Stones. Well, well, that when I mm-hmm. went on tour with them on Rolling Stones, and um, it was crazy because <laughs> I mean the first tour, I remember. The Rolling Stones having about, um, we have about 10 tour buses and, and, and about maybe about five trailers, five trailers with chefs, chefs, nurses, uh, everything. I will set up everywhere they go. Mm-hmm. They, 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 for the venues, they do their own catering. So they just pitch a tent. They set up like a, it's like a, a classy restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they, their chefs cook all the food. And you eat until dessert, everything possible. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was like, wow, this is crazy. I mean, you go on their buses and they have silk sheets in their bunk. Okay. <laughs> hey, look, you, when you go back to your bunk, it's like a cotton sheet. You're like... 
Now I feel poor, man. I don't go out with nothing yet. I still cheat. And even their bathrooms are set up yeah. differently. You know, it's like, if I, if I am not lying, I think their bathroom was set up where they could shower. Our bathroom, you can't shower. You yeah. know, you can use the toilets and stuff. But they, so it was crazy. And I mean, there is one, um, uh, I don't remember his name, not, not Ron. Mm-hmm. The other one with the always had the bandanas on. Every time he saw me, the first thing he would say is, Slim Ting Redeem. <laughs> so that's what he he knew me as. And Ron was really cool too, you know. I mm-hmm. mean, we see Ron at shows and, and Ron would come up to me and say, Hey, I want to take a picture with this one. And I mean, I'm I'm like, what me? You know? So I mean it was so cool. And then their audience was like, you're not kind of new to us, so mm-hmm. you know you don't know what to expect. But when we go out there, oh man, they would eat us up, you know. Mm-hmm. What would you say might have been the most difficult thing about touring with a band like Rolling Stones? Just living up to the the the, the whole game because mm-hmm. their thing is like huge, and and they they perform to like seventy thousand a night stadium, you know. So <clears throat> the difficult part is like you want to go out there mm-hmm. and even though I'm not the main artist, we want to make sure that everybody in the band is hitting it hard. So when we come off, we leave an impression. Yeah. We leave people wanting more, you know. So I think for me, I, I don't think that was difficult for Toots because Toots is just a performer. Mm-hmm. But for me... It used to make me nervous because we're like, yo, we're gonna have to, we, we're gonna have to do this, you know. We're gonna have to go, go hard or go home. So th- th- that was basically it. There was nothing mm-hmm. else, and I, we, I, we, Dave Matthews, Dave Matthews was a different kettle of fish. Mm-hmm. Dave Matthews would come every night because Dave Matthews said, when they were a small band in college, yeah, they opened for Toots and the Metal. Okay, so. That's crazy. So they opened for him. Now you guys are on the tour mm-hmm. with them. Mm-hmm. And he never forgot that. And I, I guess he told himself whenever he's going out, he's making sure he's carrying toots with him mm-hmm. at some point. So for Dave, when we were on stage, every night, remember Dave don't perform as it. Every night Dave stands side stage mm-hmm. and watch the whole entire show. And then as soon as we, as soon as we're done, he comes and hold our hands. Well, the girls, <laughs> yeah, and you know, walk us off the the, the stage and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was so cool. He was just like he was even like a star. He was just so cool, you know. And that was not because he had many bosses too and the same setup like Rolling Stones and mm-hmm. the, you know their thing is like massive, you know. So a lot of these people, um, I, I think, um. Faith Hill? Yes. Yeah, all of these country and western stars and rock stars and so many of them is like crazy. What was that like the first time you had to go in on a stage and see 70,000 people looking back at you on that stage? What was that feeling like? And that mentally said that was the most difficult part because you see, to come out on their stage, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like a small stage, you know. So you have a little walk to get out oh. there. When you're walking in your head, you ask, please don't make me trip. Don't make me trip. And then you have to look cool, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to look like you're so cool and mm-hmm. like 
Oh, they still phase me. You know? 70,000, yeah, though. Yeah, we do this yeah, every yeah, night. This is like seven people. <laughs> so so you're like, you know, walking. And you, mm-hmm. Yeah, try to look cute, too, you know. So, you know, me, you know, because, you know, I have the long legs and I'm usually like boots and, you know, tight pants. And, you know, you're trying to do the model walk and stuff. But in your head, you said, don't trip. Don't trip. <laughs> and, then, and then you have all the guys at the front, like, screaming. And then you're like waving like the queen, and I'm like, yeah. and you're actually like, oh, okay, all right. And then you see yourself on a big screen yeah. behind you, and crazy. I don't know how my heart would would manage that because I'm trying to compute all of this at the same time, plus stay in character because I gotta come to sing, I got a job to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how I would be able to compute all of what's going on at that time there and still stay in character to do a job. Well, as you say, you know, um, <clears throat> we have to be professional. So for me, yeah, it's like, like, really like, wow, but you know what you came to do, you know? So mm-hmm. as soon as you go out there, as I say, you, you just want to hit it and mash up the place. When you're done, the crowd's supposed to roar and you come off feeling high, like you just smoke a split, you know? Yeah. You come off and you feel, you're like, yeah. Ready for you to go back up there again, and thing, you know? And, and, and then you like, well, me, nobody else does this, but when I'm done, I just go eat down the place. Yeah. <laughs> when you say your first, because remember, you're putting in that intense amount of work. Mm-hmm. You need to calm down, you need to eat, you need to recalibrate. Mm-hmm, because you, you try not to eat before you go up there. Sometimes you end up eating before if dinner time is, mm-hmm. you know, way before you go on stage, but for the most part, I just want to, even doing studio work, I don't know if it happens to anybody else, but after I'm finished with studio work, whether, whether it's harmonies or voicing, especially voicing a song, mm-hmm. I'm not hungry so till. It takes a lot of order. Eat. You know, it's like, get me, get me to a restaurant right yeah. now, get me some food. <laughs> What's your favorite type of food? Boy, I love everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not adventurous, mm-hmm. so I stick with what I really know, but um, outside of Jamaican food, I love Thai food. Okay. Thai food. I love spicy food, anything with yeah. hot, hot pepper. And um, I, I, if it's a good Chinese food, uh, I'll eat it, you know, and um, I love Italian. And um, sometimes I do some Indian Okay. But not a lot of Indian, but, you know, the Italian and stuff or whatever. But apart from that, you know, with Jamaican food, love everything. Yeah. Everything. Me just love food. Don't look at all my look. Yeah. The foodie. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Even my sister, she said the other day, we're making sure we give you all of this good food, you know, so you can't hurry up and come back. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's yeah. how you see me. Foodie. You yeah. love it. Doing this stuff with... With toots and stuff touring, tell me three shows in your mind that you'll never ever forget. Two amazing ones and one that did not go according to plan at all. Oh God. Okay. Three amazing shows. Mm-hmm. That's hard because toots always did amazing shows. But something that it just. It just sticks out in your mind. I don't know why, what had happened, what was going on. Something that these two shows were amazing. And this last one here, 
if I could erase this memory, I'll just erase it because I just don't like to deal with it. The last one, let me talk about that one first because I have to really think, you know, on the first two. Mm-hmm. The last one is, um, this is very, this is like, um, what would you say now? A mad scientist, okay. musically. Mm-hmm. And he's very meticulous. And him just a little tat eccentric. Mm-hmm. So sometimes <clears throat> Toots will hear things that nobody else is hearing. <laughs> so, yeah. so he will hear something and then tell you, probably tell you right there on stage that you're doing something wrong. That That's when, that's the, the kind of show that you... You don't. You just want to erase, mm-hmm. because when you know you're not doing anything wrong, and then he'll tell you you're doing something wrong, and then people out there are looking at you like you're doing something wrong. Fix the thing, you know. They're not saying it, mm-hmm. but they look at you like don't spoil anything, you know. And you and you you're like, what am I doing wrong? I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm doing everything I always do. Mm-hmm. Shows like those. So there, there was a couple of mm-hmm. those here that, and mm-hmm. this is something where I guess. This is, is something he's saying on the mic while this is going on, or this is something that he's saying and only you could hear this conversation? No, it's on the mic. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think he's eccentric. Um, apart from that, no. Shows, oh my gosh, so so many shows. Yeah. That's, whether the I country it was, whether the venue, whether who else was there, whether the size of the crowd, how you did, something, these two other ones just stick out in your memory forever. When you write your book, you're going to have to put these two shows in your book. Oh, man. Um, I know, I know, as I said, Rolling Stones, um, mm-hmm. you know, and Dave Matthews, and and there, there is a female, oh my gosh, if I, I love her so much. Mm-hmm. And she's a big country star, but I'm not remembering her name right now. Mm-hmm. Um, those shows where, as I say, you go out there and you just kick butt, you know. Yeah. And when you come off, you feel like you feel high, and at the same time, you feel a little overwhelmed, in a good way, because you're you're on stage and you watch him perform, and and you see the people eating out of his hands, and you feel like you want to cry, you know, mm-hmm. like oh my goodness, is I, um. But apart from that, there there have been shows that he has done on his own, like over in Europe and stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, like Rata Rata Tom, yes, that festival and stuff. I remember doing um, it several times with him, and um, the last one I did with him was in like twenty twenty twelve or twenty eleven or something like that, mm-hmm. and. Um, he had Shaggy and everybody that was there just on stage, like, in awe of him, you know? And then I just feel like a proud daughter because he he treated me like his daughter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like I felt I just felt like, oh, my gosh, look at him, you know? He's he's just so awesome. It's like I would have to sit back and really go through because there have been so many, so mm-hmm. many, so hard. I got one for you. What was your last conversation with Toots like? My last conversation with Toots was in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. 
And because um, every time, every time I'm in Jamaica or Tuesdays is in Jamaica, him always call me Twig Twig. Um, you, I have to see you, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, Naya. Um, okay, come and meet me. And he, uh, he always has a special hotel that he spends all his, he spends all his money. That hotel, them love him when they see him <laughs> because everybody he takes there for dinner or lunch mm-hmm. or you know whatever you know Terra Nova and then you know some other new hotels that came and. And then the last time he said to me, um, you have any money? I'm going to say, yes, Naya, I have money. They said, like, how much money? And when we tell him, he said, trick, trick, that's it, no money. <laughs> 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 him said, come with me to the car. And, you know, he, he just takes out, a, a, you know, a coil of money. And just say, here, you know. And I'm like, but Naya, he says, trick, trick. You need money to spend. Is this in Jamaica? And I'm like, yeah, but they, and you know that's that was the last time I spoke with him. Mm-hmm. Was there? And then he had died shortly after that, or it's just you guys just didn't really get to connect because he's doing whatever. Right. Well, whatever. it wasn't shortly, shortly, but not too long after that. But you know, as you say, we didn't get to connect because. By 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 that time, I'd kind of like eased off the road mm-hmm. because I wanted to focus on Twiggy. Because when I was out on the road with Toots, I was not Twiggy. And I was not treated like Twiggy. Mm-hmm. I was a metal. So Twiggy never existed on the road, mm-hmm. except for when Toots' son, Hopeton, Toots' son would walk with his um, portable studio and we would record songs you know, in the hotel room, all while I'm cooked in the hotel room, <laughs> you know, and stuff. And, and there's a song I recorded for him that says, um, um, on, on the road dog label. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it was in a hotel. I remember sitting in my room, I'm going to write the song quick, and then him say, Come before showtime, come by sit before showtime, and we're going to room this song that says, um, Lord, you know I'm needing you now. Lord, you know I'm needing you now. Lord, you know I need, I need you now to carry me on my way. Hey, Under them, I go, stop, stop, stop. Stand up, stop. You know that crazy, just like that. It's, it's again these conversations. That's why I like to go deep into your memory and see things where you do. Cause we see you on stage, singing and all that. But remember, there's time before you got to the stage. One second before you got to the stage, and what happened one second after you left the stage. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that a lot of people aren't really privy to. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have these conversations. Tell us what was going on back there, type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So then that. That's a touch chapter of your life now. I want to go to your Japan life now. When you, because you said you're not really adventurous when it comes to food. How was it you now? Were you living in Japan for a while? Where no. you were back and forth? Yes, back and forth. How long would you stay when you're staying in Japan? Would you actually be there stationed at any one time? Um, I would think maybe 
Two to three weeks at a time. Okay, so this wasn't months at a time. You weren't gone no. for like two, three months at Mm-mm. a time. Yeah. What was, okay, now you're in Japan. This is totally different. What was the food situation like when you were there now? I remember the first time going into Japan. Hungry like 10 dog. <laughs> because we just couldn't figure out the food thing, you know. It's like, mm-hmm. it was it was hard getting all this food thing going. But then as soon as we figure out, so, okay, you can buy fried rice, you can buy Chinese food in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, Japanese, Chinese food and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's all I ate when I was there after that. That's why you you liked, really liked the Chinese food. No, I wouldn't say that. You know, I loved Chinese food from when I was a little girl because my mother was a great Chinese chef. So, you know, she used to cook like the Jamaican Chinese food, you know, the real authentic Jamaican Chinese food. So I loved Chinese food from then. But, um, you know, everywhere, you know, everywhere you travel, you know, people will try different stuff. Just give me, just make sure say rice, fried chicken, Chinese food and Thai food on the road. The basics and you're good to go. Yeah. Or Italian, yeah. Mm -hmm. You're good. Because then now, because remember, you said when you're with Toots, that was you were more the Metas at this time. But Japan now, this is where you're now, Twiggy. Japan, I was Twiggy before Penthouse Twiggy. Mm -hmm. I was just a little Twiggy that was very popular over on that side. I wasn't Mm -hmm. even that popular in Jamaica as yet. I I was doing stuff in Jamaica, mm-hmm. and they were playing on radio and stuff, but, you know, how many people are paying attention, we don't know, but Japan, I was like a superstar there <laughs> before even Penthouse. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was, I mean, we had to go there. It, as I say, it was a group of us that they were working with. Tristan Palmer was one of them, too. Oh, he was out there mm-hmm. with you guys, too. Yeah, and... um. They were doing like big promotions and stuff with us, so we had to fly to Japan every minute. And it, and it was uh, the group of people, Takian Records, that mm-hmm. used to do Japan Splash, that ma- massive festival. Mm-hmm. They they were the ones that um, used to take us out there. So you know, you go there and and you have to go to the the big like uh, the record companies, but they have these like. Oh, oh my goodness! Um, these big records, record stores are places where you have to go and do promos. When you look, you see life size, life size pictures of yourself and stuff, and big starting and mm-hmm. you know, big rehearsal. And it was crazy because the Japanese they do things so different, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they treat you like they treat you like the star that you are. So mm-hmm. they. They, you you don't even carry a bag. Yeah. As soon as you come off that plane, land in Japan, you know, see a bag until you reach your hotel, your bag is sitting at your door waiting for you. Yeah. And then when you get up in the, in the mornings to leave, they say, just put your bag at the door. When you come out, your bag gone again. <laughs> you know, see till you reach the next hotel or the next door. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there were so... And they move fast and on time and everything. Very disciplined. Yes. So it's a disciplined culture. Yes. Oh, yes. So Japan has always been one of my favorite mm-hmm. places too and stuff. And it was just something else because even after, you know, the whole thing with Taki and I work with all the artists now, 
uh, Takian merged with Sony Japan. And they started doing some work with me also. I don't know if they were doing work with anybody else, but mm-hmm. I know they were doing work with me. And that was another bargain because with Naki, you know, Naki was like a massive star. Huge. In Japan. And I was working with Naki and, you know, we had uh, a massive number one song called Something Special there. So, and you know, it's, it's in Japan is like, every time yeah. I think about Japan, I just want to relive it. <laughs> it was that. So even Japan, when do you realize that, okay, you really, you're becoming this huge star out there? Was it when you first got there, you guys had to work a bit? When did it really start to take off in Japan? I guess um, we were going there, we, you know, we were doing work with Naki, and it, it slowly, it slowly um, got bigger and bigger, mm-hmm. you know, and after a while when they started, like, recording songs with us in, like, Japanese and stuff, and um, they, they said to me after a while, the Japanese people keep on requesting that you sing in Japanese, and I'm mm-hmm. like, why? And they say, because you sound like a Japanese when you sing. You sound authentic. Mm-hmm. So... That's when you realize that, you know, people are listening to you. You know, you started getting fan letters and stuff and the whole works. And, and then Japanese guys want to marry you and mm-hmm. all of that. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just, again, this is now, again, where you went from in the shadows a bit as the background singer mm-hmm. to now you as the front person. You know what I mean? As the person that people are paying their dollars to come see you're the headliner now mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. what was that what did that feel like now it was um surreal mm-hmm. it was surreal and so euphoric you know but for me personally a lot of things just even though i felt that way mm-hmm. it never changed me and I never got hype, you know. Mm-hmm. I I was always just so chill and just like, okay, next, you know, whatever. So even though, you know, things felt good like that, mm-hmm. it was just another day for me also, you know. Out there like that. Mm-hmm. What would you so then now, again, experiences and memories, what would you say were two of your most memorable, impactful shows and one show or one situation where uh, I could leave this alone. I didn't like this. This didn't make me feel good at all. Well, there was no show in Japan that never made me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Every show in Japan felt great. Mm-hmm. Every single show in Japan felt great. So uh, there's none that I can think of. And, um, there is one that... Um, the, that uh, I when 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 I started like performing that hit song, and the first time I performed for over a hundred thousand people, it was in Japan. I listen, think I have a video for it. Yeah. You know what? Listen. You know the words you just said to me was the first time I performed in front of a hundred thousand. That means there's either two, three, four, five, or ten more times. That means you've done that several times. I, I wouldn't say 10, but... <laughs> You'd say <laughs> you know, more than once? You, yeah, but it's more than once. Oh, yeah. Because in Japan, the, the crowds were, like, huge. Mm-hmm. The crowds are like, huge. And um, the the other times that I performed, like, for major crowds, Europe, 
But, you know, Europe is always a, a bunch of artists. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people come to see their different artists. But, you know, when it's just this, this like a set person or person, people, and, and these amount of people come, it's like crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. That's when it's crazy. But Africa was the next place that I experienced. I think the first, sh the first two shows that we did when we went to Africa was like over 50,000 people. So, yeah. So it's it's like that's when you 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 look out there and when they're calling your name to introduce you on the stage, you feel like you want to do it up yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look behind the curtain, it's like me. Mm. This is what's going on. Was there ever a time where anybody? Because remember, J Japan and Jamaica are two completely worlds apart. Was there ever a time anybody from Jamaica, one of your artist friends, or ever came over and really seen what you were doing in Japan and said, "Holy smokes!" They did not realize it was this crazy. Not really. Um, as I said, it was just a set group of us. Mm -hmm. So just us knew what was going on mm -hmm. with us, you know. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, uh, when well, I guess when Jermaine met me in mm -hmm. Japan, I guess he was impressed with what he saw to actually approach me to join Pentos. So mm -hmm. I figure, you know, other people probably saw that too, but uh, I've, I've never heard anybody really talk Got about you. it. And what was even that feeling like now going from this massive singer in Japan to now joining a big group like Penthouse, did you think you were still going to be a standalone artist? Now you're going to go back to the background vocals. What did you think that situation was going to be like getting going to Penthouse now? Um, okay, you know, you used to hear about Penthouse. So it's like Penthouse was like one of these places that not any anybody can get in to, you know. And you have to be big artist to be a penthouse. So mm -hmm. when Jermaine actually approached me, um, I was like, penthouse? Like, really? Yeah. You know, penthouse wants me to come and be a part of their thing. Because even yeah, even though you're doing big works in Japan, mm -hmm. because you weren't really getting much attention in Jamaica and stuff, it's like, I just say, you were... You are doing good, but it, it 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 would feel like you're just there in a sense, you know. Got you. So with Penthouse, no, you actually saw it as this bigger door opening now, where you're gonna be out there now. People are gonna really know mm -hmm. who Twiggy is, not only in Japan but all over the world. So it it was something that I. I anticipated, you know, I was like, okay, I think if I play my cards right, yeah, I could really make it here. So, yeah, I was excited. Yeah, because at this time here, this was already Paris, Marcia, Bojo Wayne, and all of them were there mm -hmm. at this time here? Yes. Mm -hmm. who, who else was there at that time? You had Terry Gianzi. Um, You had a lot of people pass through, you know. Mm -hmm. And and really work with Penthouse a lot. Like you had like um uh Nana McLean. Mm -hmm. You had um Carl Gonzalez, you had Juliet from over here in Canada, yeah. And um you had Garnet. Uh I think you used to reach Stevens, you know. Tony Rebel was Penthouse. Um 
you know what, everybody. Cocky ranks would have probably yeah, been there. Yeah, cocky ranks, mm-hmm. yeah. So everybody. Patchy scratchy. Yeah, patchy scratchy. So it was like, it was like crazy, you know, because this is where you're seen, like all the big artists, them know, you know, and you're actually, you know, in the mix. Mm-hmm. So not big artists too. <laughs> Straight goods, you know what I mean? Straight goods. Do you remember the first project or projects you started working on when you got there? Um, I remember going in and the first song I recorded for Pentos was um, because the time cool. I'm a little bit hoarse, but I'll try to sing it for Honey Henny Hey. Um, it's, it's a song that says, um, there's no danger in loving somebody too much. And it's sad when you know it's your heart you can't trust. There's no reason why people don't say who they are. Baby, sometimes love just ain't enough. Stand on up, stop, stop. Yeah, so... Uh, apart from apart from 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 doing like maybe some little background vocals in studio for the artists and stuff, mm-hmm. that was the first one. I recorded. That was the first one. And how did it feel now that you you yeah you signed you came in signed you're part of the crew you're doing the work, but now that you actually got to record this song here, how did how did that make you feel now? I feel like big star because I mean that was like pintos, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like. The first time German said, "Okay, um, he got and he, he chose that song." Yeah. So you know, the first time he says, "Okay, I want," and then while I was recording, there was this um, radio announcer, radio broadcaster, I should say, mm-hmm. that was massive in New York, and he was right there in the studio watching me when I was um, recording and stuff, and you know, his reaction was like awesome and stuff. So it's like. Yo, this feels good, you know, like, I feel like I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. So, it felt great. That was a good one there. And what were, what would be some of the songs that you worked on that 99.9% people will have no idea you worked on these songs there? You mean as a background vocalist? On Pentos, yeah, at Pentos. Every single song I've been told. <laughs> um, there's a song with Buju that Marcy and I did the background vocals. Nobody would imagine. Marcy what? Griffiths and I were, were, were uh, it was on, oh my gosh, was it, was it Till Shiloh? A song that says, stay just a little bit longer. <laughs> And Buji said, me, Allah. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> so that was me and Marcy right there. I did a lot of background vocals for on Beris' songs, differently from Mota Pinto also. Over at Harmony House. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even before, even Harmony House came into play, when Beris used to voice at, um, you know, Music Works and then Place and stuff. But everybody... I don't remember doing any harmony for Tony Rebel or Cutty Ranks. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, all of the songs. And except some, Brian and Tony Gold. Mm-hmm. But every other one, 
Twiggy and sometimes Twiggy alone, sometimes Twiggy with the other girls, but Twiggy is the one that's calling the shots. And um, <clears throat> all the Garnet songs, you know, in Penthouse and at Bobby Digital and everywhere. Because and I know last time we spoke, you told me you were on Islands. I know it was um the one on the general. Everyone's going to love to Lionheart. No. Oh, Splashing Dashing. Splashing Dashing. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so the, it was not only just that song, it was a few other songs. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Even the ones that um, Bobby Digital and stuff and whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, most of them, because he didn't want to do anything without me. Did you, did you guys have uh, good conversations or good links outside the studio, or a lot of times when you're doing harmonies, he's not even there? No, he was always there. Mm -hmm. He was always there, and... At one point, he started taking me on the road with him, just like Barry Stu. Me touring everybody, because what I notice with people, when I do their background vocals, they all want me to tour with them. Because that's the vibe of the record. They want to do it live also for the people. Yeah, but what people don't understand is, when I do their harmonies, I do like three, three to six voices, okay? So when they take me on tour with them, what they expect me to do, throw my voice, throw my voice, throw a harmony voice over there, son, throw an harmony voice over so I make it just blend. It's just, I'm just one person. Yeah. So if they get other people to do it and imitate it, it will sound yeah. decent enough. But there is a song that nobody knows with Bujo for Pentos. It's actually a, I think you would call it a montage. Mm -hmm. And he's singing in Hebrew. Yeah? And um, I was sitting in the studio, me and Jeremy and stuff one day, and would you come in? Swigzy, now something more you sing, but now it's like, okay, what is it? Would you come with him like a dry voice or sing this something? Mrs. So we're recording there with the music and stuff there. Swigzy, this is it. I mean, one little dry voice. You know, you know, um, Israel, Israel, something like that. I'm like, we expect to do that, would you? Mm -hmm. I'm so you're the only one we can fix this song and make it what I want to hear. I'm even did a him like a bit. I'm so why now we scared how things have come give me, and I'm so glad you're the only one I can do it. So. Mm -hmm. I I had to go into my to my little zone. Mm -hmm. And uh, because it's in Hebrew, and it, it, it was like a prayer. Yeah. I had to put myself into the, the place when we went to Israel. And we had visited the place where they said it 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 holds five different denominations, and that's where they say um, Jesus Christ was buried. Mm -hmm. And I remember when we went and we saw the tomb and blah, 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 and the whole works, and we were walking through, we saw the five, we passed the five churches, one after the other, door open, no door, mm -hmm. no door. And all these churches, none was uh, confusing the other. Everybody was just worshiping in their own way, and it was like one. 
-hmm. Everything was like one, but it were different denominations. That was like mind blowing, you know. And uh, how they were singing, they just grabbed me. So when I heard Buddhist sing, I I went to that place and I used that as my muse mm -hmm. to sing around it. And when it came out, up to this day, nobody can sing it. Nobody can sing it. Even when Buju's background vocalists were and still are on stage, they have to stand at attention and they have to play my voice. Mm -hmm. What? Me all the Europe, we toots them, and we the backstage, and Buju go on stage, and the musicians from toots, they hear it. Oh dear, and they, they all run out like, oh my gosh, it's like an African, uh, African choirs on stage with Buju. Yeah. They all run out and I'm like, it's me, it's me. And you hear me and they're like, yeah, you wish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, yeah. for real, it's, it's me. me. And they're like, stop yeah. it, I'm going to hear the people. I'm not. Yeah. And when they go out there, they realize the girls are just standing. And I remember on YouTube, when Buju... Uh, uh, someone posted uh, Buju in Europe just gonna start a song called Destiny mm -hmm. and rain was kind of falling so it was so mystical you know and the person was introducing him but they were talking in their like language you know I don't know if it's German or whatever it is but he was like he was chanting and they were playing that montage the, the Lenky was playing that montage and Buju was standing backstage just singing along with it. Oh my gosh. If you ever find that, it would give you chills. And I remember seeing someone post it on social media and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. And all the Buju background vocalists, them at the time, mm -hmm. they said, we were always wondering who did this. They said, we, they said, we always wondered who did this. Mm -hmm. Nobody can sing it back. Because I guess the place where you had to go into your soul mm -hmm. to find the way to sing this song, I guess nobody else could really go into that depth to sing no, back this song. I don't even think I could sing it back either. Mm -hmm. If I was supposed to tell people how to sing it, mm -hmm. I don't even think I could. The spirit, the it spirit was the a, right spirit. Came, yeah, it came from a different place. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's one of the things I say nobody would imagine. Yeah. yeah, You said they're standing up and they have to play yeah. the recording. Yeah, not me. Yeah. The other girls that you, were touring with him at the time, because sometimes when I'm on the road with Toots, mm -hmm. you know, other people are out there and they have to just stand at attention. Mm -hmm. Anytime you get a chance, you go look up Bujibanta and Destiny, uh, one of them European festivals, mm -hmm. and you'll hear it. Just, uh, and the rain was jizzling and stuff. And all. It was just a perfect storm to bring up that energy, that spirit, that vibe, that, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Crazy. Penthouse now, you're there with Bojo, Cotti, Marcia, Beres Hammond, Wayne Wonder, Terry Ganzi, Patchy Scratchy, Tony Rebel, Garnet Silk, everybody. What was it like a day now dealing with all of those personalities in one place. I know, okay, yeah, we're going to come out and sing these songs. But what was it really like to get these artistic minds to sit down and do something? What was that like? Um, they were, they were all 
eccentric in their own ways and difficult in their own ways. But when they came to work, they came to work. Mm. They really, really came to work. So it wasn't hard to get them to the work. They they, they just flowed. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to keep up with them. Yeah. I You know, so for me, it was pretty it was pretty easy just watching them. I was always in awe. They, they, they were also professional and them just move fast and them just impulsive and whatever, talent, 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 talent. It was crazy. You have to just get in where you fit in. Okay, it's going, jumping, and whatever comes of it, comes of it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you seem to really have your chemistry when it comes to Pento seems to be, Bojo seems to be that chemistry yeah. that you guys have. Why, why do you think you guys have that type of chemistry, energy, and sight together? I have no idea. It's just the music because me, I just love good music and Mm -hmm. anything that I always say, if a guy wants to turn me on, just come with some, just play some good music or sing some good music Mm -hmm. or something and you got me, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, not really (laughs) because none of the musicians, them still can't get me. But, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, just talking on top of my head. But um, it, it was just because Buju was just so good at what he did. And he just loved working with me. Mm-hmm. We had a, a, a dynamic that nobody else had with Buju. We, we had, Ima Wien had that too. Ima mm-hmm. Wien. And then eventually Ima Beres had that. So, you know, I was the only girl that he had that dynamic with that. When we do anything together, and if I say, don't do that or do this, would you listen? Mm-hmm. He never fought it. He was like, yeah, swig this, so, you know, that's what I'm going to do. So mm-hmm. uh, th- that was just about it. It was, it was just, it just flowed. It just flowed. To tell you the truth, I know that you have an amazing chemistry and relationship with Bojo, but it always, to me, it seemed like your temperament, your personality would more or less mash with like a wing or a Barris Hammond. That's what it seemed opposed to a Bojo that the, the rough and tough DJ, you know what I mean? Um, I can be rough and tough, you know. <laughs> I I believe that. I do believe that. I, for the most part, I'm cool and, you know, you know, well collected, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, but just chill. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm always more observant and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, but don't push me. I'm not a pushover. You can't be in this business as long as you have Yeah. to be a pushover because, you know, this business is very treacherous. Mm-hmm. You understand a lot of interesting thing happens behind mm-hmm. closed doors in this business. Yes. So you can't be a pushover, still be wrong, and still sing. Hey, it wouldn't work. Mm-mm. Financially, I've, I've been pushed around, but, mm-hmm. you know, like physically and stuff, mm-hmm. <clears throat> don't play with Twiggy. Yeah. She will go cuckoo for Cocoa Puff on you. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. hear you, especially so, when it comes to your craft. Yes, and then at the same time, how I was able to deal with all these men, whether they're rough and tough or whatever, I think the rougher they were, the mm-hmm. easier it was for me. Because I had this little boyish thing about me. I still do. <laughs> I'm still very boyish, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know... I'd I be sitting, even Wayne said to me the other day, I had to laugh. He said to me, Twiggy, my sister, I've never had a bad day with you. And I'm like, no, 
he's like, you, you used to nice to everybody. He said, y'all see some little murder on here. I said, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you okay? He <laughs> said, y'all see them sell up quiet and not talk. And I'm a god, I'm serious. So you're like, are you okay? You need anything? <laughs> so me, I used to always just reach to the heart of the body of man and they they all became my friends. Yeah. It's so so I would it was easy for me and still easy for me to to, to mm-hmm. work with men, even if they're rough and tough. When they're rough and tough sometimes it just rough them up back. I mean I'll treat them. Mm-hmm. You know them said to me to you know see had only girl can treat me like <laughs> you know, right. so but you we as I said, Wayne and I we had a really nice relationship. Wayne hardly talk. Mm-hmm. So there wasn't much that young Wayne would talk about, you know, because Wayne hardly talk. Bujo on the other hand, no. He boy, oh, if he more talk. And then sometimes Bujo and I were nice and sweet. Mm-hmm. And then Bujo would just come and just do something to take me off. And then when Mr. start cussing him, he said, Sweetsy, I'm me, I'm me, I'm me, When he, when he, when mm-hmm. he, when he hear me, he's a wicked old man. <laughs> So uh, it it was cool. I mm-hmm. I can flex with anybody. Yeah. You know? Right now in the twenty twenty two, what's your relationship like with Bojo right now? I haven't seen Bojo, and I mean it's a shame. Mm-hmm. But since he came up, because even when he was inside, you know, he used to always send message to me, you know, about some like some pictures and stuff that okay. we that we took together and all of that. And so when he when he came out, I was not in Jamaica, mm-hmm. and I was planning on, you know, going on there, but then, you know, something came up, and I had to stay a bit longer, and then by the time the pandemic came, and yada, yada, and whatever, so we haven't even spoken in a while, but mm-hmm. I, I was in Jamaica, and um, I... I told, you know, some people close to him that I wanted to to come see him. And, you know, they said that he was he was out of town at the time, but he should come in back by a certain time so, you know, I could probably try at that time and all of that and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but eventually I never went because I, I did not want to just turn up somewhere unsure whether he's there or not. And I heard um, a little while after that, they mentioned it to him that I was looking for him, and they said he was so excited, like, Jiggy, with me and I sing together. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, Yeah, and he, he's like, Oh my goodness, who don't know which part to find our rest of You know, they said he was, he was really, really, really excited, and mm-hmm. that warmed my heart, you know, because regardless of everything, you know. I always loved Butcher like my pesky little brother. Yeah. So, you know, that has never changed. You know, just like, oh, you know, I love Wayne and I love Marcy, I love Barry, I love all of them, you know. It's like, that not changed. Mm-hmm. Who would you say would be your, when it comes to harmonies, did anybody teach you or do you have a mentor or somebody you look up to and say, yo, you know what, I love how they do harmony. I want to connect with them all the time. Well... 
as a child, my sister and I, we were naturally singing harmonies, but we didn't even know what we were doing, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, you used to hear all these songs on the radio, and you just sing right through the whole song with them, and it just sounds pretty to you, and mm-hmm. you just love doing it. So it was just like a natural, you know, innate kind of thing. But um, when I got into the industry, mm-hmm. and um, I met... You know, being around Boris and stuff now, he worked with the best, you know. So that's where I ended up meeting. The first time I met them, I was like, Pamal, J.C. Mm. Lodge, Nadine Sutherland, Sharon Forrester, um, um, Cynthia Sloss. I mean, all of these people that did the best harmonies. Mm-hmm. So, and I realized that they were the team where everybody called. I, I was like in awe of all these ladies, like, oh my gosh, man, I, I actually I have a little book with me there, I write it down. And today I met, yeah. today I met Pamal, and I sang with Pamal and Nadine and the whole works, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and Nadine and I are good friends now, and it's like, I have to remind myself, say, you used to be like so in awe of Nadine. I'm still in awe of Nadine, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's like, Wow, you know, and um, the, that were the, those were the, the the people now where I got a different experience with harmony, mm-hmm. and they were always on target, and no one has to tell them what to do, you know, and then we worked with people like um, Clive Hunt and all these people and stuff where they 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 did a different kind of production and come out to harmony and stuff and mm-hmm. all of that and. So for me, I am glad I got experience with these ladies because now I am rated as one of the top harmony vocalists out there in mm-hmm. reggae music. So, you know, big up to all of these ladies and, you know, Boris and all these people that that helped to, you know, to, to, to carve out that, that little niche mm-hmm. for me, you know crazy because that's where a lot of people don't realize what goes into making this song that we all love what goes into it how much how many secret players there are behind it to actually make this song sound the way it does a -hmm. person just didn't go in and sing the song and that was it the harmony people had to come in the musicians had to come in the producer it's those little secret sauce to -hmm. make these classics well there's this one harmony song that I was left off. Uh, my name, my credit was left off. So since I have this platform, mm-hmm. you know, I'll mention it. Um, and it's a massive song. And I don't know whose fault it was, but it wasn't just my name was left off. It was quite a few of us. Mm-hmm. You know, even Sharon Forrester and um, Wayne Armand played guitar and his name was left off it and stuff. But everybody got it cleared up. But for the love of me, mm-hmm. I cannot get mine cleared up. It's a massive song, and um, I, you know who you are. <laughs> Please put my name on the credit so I can get my due that mm-hmm. everybody else has got. It's a massive song, you know. Okay, is it a is it a song that you're willing to talk about? Yeah. What song is it? I can see clearly now with um, Jimmy Cliff. This is where I take this microphone away 
mm-hmm. and I go about my business. <laughs> what did you just say to me, Twiggy? Mm-hmm. And it was Pamal, Sean Forrester, myself, and was there JC or Nadine on it? I don't think so. I think it was just Pamal, Sean Forrester, myself that did that song, but I my name is left off the credit and I have no idea why. I'm still trying to process what you just said to me. When you listen to it, <laughs> what? especially the part that, that Jimmy says, Look, nothing but blue sky. You, you just, just listen, you hear my little voice somewhere in the, in the air. Look straight ahead. Boss. Blue sky. I remember even that note, mm-hmm. and we had to hold, like, full up our lungs mm-hmm. and hold our breath for, like, like that long period just to do it. And then we left off for the credit. <laughs> We're going to give it all of our oxygen mm-hmm. and, yeah, excuse me. So did you, was this a one-off you did with Jimmy Cliff or this was several songs you did with him also? I, I did several songs with Jimmy, but this was one in particular. Mm-hmm. Another one was, um, I, I, I actually had set up the whole... Um, the whole session there, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know who spoke with Jimmy, but, you know, I was the one who, when they approached me, mm-hmm. you know, I said to them, <clears throat> I think Jimmy would be good for this project. And at that time, it was um, Walt Disney wanted to record um, um, the song called <clears throat> Akuna Matata, mm-hmm. The Lion King. In reggae, you know, and featuring label, uh, uh, artists, their artists at the time, and so you know, I I was the one who set up that whole session and stuff, and you know, made the, made the introductions and all of that, and um, I I sang on several more songs with Jimmy. At one point, Jimmy wanted to take me on tour with him, but then Jimmy said, you know what, you're going on tour with. Toots and we are always on the same shows, mm-hmm. so it would clash. So you know he's not gonna do that to me. So mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of songs. <clears throat> you skipped over something. Walt Disney. How did you even connect with Walt Disney in the first place? Well, the the the, the producer was my good friend. Mm-hmm. We were really really close, and um, he he just introduced me to the guy from Walt Disney because he was working, I think, doing soundtracks for Walt Disney. And um, he just introduced me to to the guy. And the the, the guy, I, I, I don't know if he was an A&R or what, but he, he was the one in charge of getting the production done. Mm-hmm. And um, he just took to me. He just took a liking to me. And so we became friends, you know, went out to L.A. and, you know, we would hang and stuff and all of that. And then when he comes to Jamaica, he would sit at my house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little work. So that was how that came that came about. As a matter of fact, because of that uh, um, friendship and and all of that, not Walt Disney, but with the producer himself, I even got a chance to work with um, Mark Wahlberg, aka Marky Mark at the time. What? <laughs> Twiggy. Yup. How did that come? The further we go down this rabbit hole is the more wild it gets. <laughs> How did you connect with Marky Mark? And what was it you're doing with Marky Mark? 
Mark Wahlberg? Well, I I was just flown out to New York. They were supposed to be doing like a European tour or something like mm-hmm. that. I was flown out to New York, and um, to just to just come and hang with the crew, you know. Marky Marky knew me a little bit before then mm-hmm. because we used to see each other, you know, at 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 the same producer's studio in LA and stuff. And Mark Wahlberg is such a sweet guy, He's so sweet, you know. And he was also concerned if my if he saw me and I look sad or something, he'd come and say, "Are you okay? Who 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 is bothering you or something?" Mm-hmm. He was so sweet, you know. And then you know the Mark Wahlberg, the rapper side. No, he was like so, you know, bad boyish and stuff. And so when I went out there for the <clears throat> for the rehearsals, I was just chilling in mm-hmm. Manhattan, you know, and I was sitting there. But how they do their thing is. Um, the, the band members fly in first. They do, they get the music part situated. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then they fly in the background vocalists and the singers. Then after that, they get their part together with the band. Then after that, they fly in the dancers <laughs> and the engineers and whatever. You know, them fine people do them thing. Different and they take their things seriously, their rehearsals and stuff they take serious. So after me being at the rehearsal for you know for days with them, just chilling, uh, Marky had a very popular song at the time. Um, it's just a good vibration. That song. When they were finished rehearsing, because the singers weren't there as yet, um, the the MD said to them, "Oh, just let Jiggy just." run them down with us because she had been here and whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I just took the mic and I just started singing and especially when I did that song, you know, Mark, you're like, no, you have to come on tour with us. <laughs> you have to come on tour with us. Oh my goodness. And it was like crazy, you know. I didn't end up going. You though. didn't end up going on the mm-hmm. tour. But again, that's why I tell people in this industry there's massive highs and then there's devastating lows. You know how many what-ifs, or oh, I was supposed to, oh, wait, this mm-hmm, is what I was worth, mm-hmm. and it did not work out? Mm-hmm. You know how many of those are? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for me, I chose not to because it it was going to get a, probably a little personal and political, you know? So I, I just mm-hmm. left it alone because they already had their singers. And so if I, if I went in on the tour, I would have kicked... You're the, stepping on the somebody's lead singer, toes. Right, the lead singer out of the way. And um, that's not me. I, you know, I, I don't want to do that to anybody because I wouldn't want anybody to do that to me. So I just left it alone. But when I did that song with him, yeah. it's just a good vibration. It's just a sweet sensation. It was <laughs> and the band was like Titan. Oh, yeah. my God. It was like crazy. Um. Your journey has been nothing short of amazing, Twiggy. You know I, what I mean? I, 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 every, when I look back at it, uh, you know, a lot of times I I feel like this really big high. Mm-hmm. And then I feel a little sad sometimes. Explain that. That's what I really want to know. Give us the yin and the yang. Um, Because... um. In the industry, yes, I, you know, uh, I have done a little of everything. Mm-hmm. And 
I I know no one has to tell me. I know that I am one of the I'm one of the most talented females out of Jamaica. And anybody wanna contest that, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. Flexing, so, I see you. Yeah. And at the same time, I whenever I do anything, I don't do mediocre work. Mm. Even if it's background vocals. Even if somebody come to me, I say, boy, we don't have the money for PA, you can't give me, and them even give me half of the money. I still give them like they gave me full money. Mm-hmm. I, I, I work hard. So for me, and, and I, have, I have the works to prove it, you know. I, I get calls from all over the world, people, some people that I have no idea how these people even know my works and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever and stuff. And, you know, when, when, I, when I look back and I see all the highs, it, it feels great. But then there is still something holding me back in, in the industry. And that makes me sad mm-hmm. because what and why? When you, do you think this hold back is something that's somebody is actually doing this or the stars didn't align the way that you think they should have aligned or a combination of both? I think the stars aligned, mm-hmm. but it, it's just a fight. It's just a fight. And it, it to me, you know. I hate to put it this way because it had to take years for me to see it this way. Mm-hmm. And people point it out to me, you know, because a lot of people see me and every time they see me, they say, you're getting such a fight, you know. And I always have, you see that way, me used to just think, oh, you know, it's just uh, those things. But I realize now that it's just a fight and, you know, the stars aligned. Trust me, mm-hmm. everything was just flowing. Remember, I never, I never wanted to be an artist. You know? I remember in our first conversation. I, I, I was dragged into it. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I came into it, it's like, whoops, mm-hmm. sorry, whoops, there it is. And I, I was like all over the place. It, everything just went from A to Z. Um, but there was always in the middle of that something to just come and just stop the flow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the part that marvels me sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Because why and you know, you know. So you said something when we just started. You said the name for some people might not might not be like as they hear it. Like oh, Jiggy, oh, Jiggy, oh, from Pentos, from Pentos. Yeah, you know, and that shouldn't be because I have the track record, the track record to 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 show and Mm -hmm. and whatever and stuff, you know, but. It is just what it is. So it's just like, you know, like me, when I was a child, I think my some of my best time in life was as a, as a child. Mm-hmm. I had a good childhood. So sometimes when you hear, like, music on the radio or so that makes you remember when you were in prep school or primary school or high school or whatever, you get so excited. Mm-hmm. And then you feel sad because it's like, it's so different now. Yeah. Know? You, you don't see the world the way that you saw it as a child. You now see it as a grown woman now where it's a lot different mm-hmm. than what you really thought it was. Have you ever had a real solid 
management team around you to focus on you and take you to that level there? Never. I've had managers that that are supposed to be the best, mm -hmm. but they never focus on me. But why is that, though? That's what... That's the part I don't get because you've done all this great stuff. You've hung with the best of the best you've done. So why not? They say, okay, Twiggy, I, it's your turn right now. Let's go. That's the part I can I can never understand mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I proved myself over and over, still proving myself over mm -hmm. and over. And yeah, a lot of people come to me and say they want to manage me, but all they want to come with is some big contract and some three years contract and stuff, and then you see a lot of clauses in it that you know will not mm -hmm. suit you, and then once you see perpetual, you say, oh, I mean, you want to get. <laughs> the three years is going to turn into a lifetime. A lifetime. Because you know I mean? yeah. perpetuity, right. and it You see stop. perpetual <laughs> somewhere down the line, you know, in a little small print. Yes, oh, it takes a, you take <laughs> yeah. a big man of fool. <laughs> so, yeah. and then, you know, one of them I had signed with in New York way after, you know, my penthouse days and stuff, and, I, he had a lot of big talk, you know, and mm -hmm. what he's going to do and stuff. And he had signed me for three years. I didn't want to sign for three years. Mm -hmm. So for that three years, basically, I was like sitting and nothing happened. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why, you know, I've never had anybody focus on me. Has like there that. ever been a point where you fell out of love with the music or fell out of love with the music business i i wouldn't say i fell out of love but it, I, there have been times when i am so frustrated mm -hmm. frustrated you can be frustrated but you still love it it's like a relationship yeah. <laughs> you know your husband frustrates you was like you want to lick it with something but you, you said sure you look so beloved here yeah um yeah the music that um you you just Sometimes you just say, okay, you, you just exhale and say, I can't bother. <laughs> me just can't bother. You just drop it under the ear and say, mm -hmm. I'm not even going to record anything or nothing. And then something just comes mm -hmm. and just pull you right back in. And it's like, you know, so, but never out of love. Yeah. You can't be, you say music, music is like a heartbeat for me. And it might sound cliche, you know, it might sound like, oh, you just say that. Mm -hmm. But music for me, I, I some, even this morning, I, I was sleeping and mm -hmm. hearing myself recording a song in my sleep. And when yeah. we wake up, I try to remember some of the lyrics. I mean, I say, what's that about, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I, I write lyrics in my sleep. If, if I have to do a show, I sleep the show. You know, I sleep, I do the show and plan out the show and all you, that you can't turn it off no you can't mm -hmm. and you know it's something that even if I don't sing for two months it's like like you just wind me up back and it's like boom yeah ready yeah I'm ready you know um, except for any cool I'm gonna get to it <laughs> you know <laughs> but but um, yeah music is me so it's like if I let go off you know, off of music is like, you feel like you chop off on your hand or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So never, never, ever out of love. How about with the 
business of music. Because remember, music and music business are two completely oh, different yeah. things. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say I fell out of love with the business because I never got the chance to even fall in love with the business mm. because when we started out, we, we never even knew that it was a business and no one mm. told us, you know. So we were just doing what we loved and we were just doing it and not realize that there are certain things that we have to put into place and 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 for our future, we always think that, Oh, we'll always be on tour. We'll always be singing. We'll always be recording. We always have hit songs. You, you. There was no end because I guess the way how you always seen things is, I work, I get paid. There mm-hmm. was never in your mind where I work, and then this work continues to pay me forever mm-hmm. without me doing anything again. That concept yeah. seemed completely foreign. Like, what are you talking? About? Exactly. I went on stage. I sang. I made my dollar. I go home. The only time I make another dollar is either go on stage, do some harmony, or make some dubs. You've never seen that this song is supposed to continue to pay me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, never saw that. And, we, and no one taught us that, mm-hmm. you know. So we we were just going because we loved it. So you never get any time to fall in love with the business because, you know, you, go, you get a little quick money and you feel good. Yeah. So when you do find out now in the long run that there was so much more to it, and so much monies that should have been yours or still can be yours and mm-hmm. you have to be fighting for it and all of that. It makes you just, you know, fall out of love. You just hate it. Yeah. You know, you just feel like you just feel like you just want. I, I don't know how to explain. You're angry, you know? Of course. You're angry and, and especially if you see where. You know, you're getting older and you still have to be working so hard when when you should be sitting and putting up your foot because yeah. the money should be coming. Because you have a catalog, you have a body of work, you've done all of this stuff. So you figure by this time, it should be coming back to me now. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I shouldn't have to, if I don't want to work for two years straight, mm-hmm. I don't want to do no dubs, no shows, no anything, I should still be good. Oh yeah, you're supposed to just can't put up your foot and mm-hmm. just... Say, so, yeah, you know, drink a tequila or something. Yeah. I, I've never had a tequila. Yeah. <laughs> you figured that's what, if you're putting up your foot, it's a tequila you're drinking. Yeah, or, you, know, yeah you know what, maybe yeah, I, I'll drink some um, Moscato. Mm-hmm. I'll drink some Moscato. That's you. Yeah. Before I get you out of here, we're ta- we talked about your journey and everything, but I know that in the last two years, you've still been putting out music, been putting out visuals. You understand? So you're still extremely active in the world right now. Like even your last, one of your last songs was um, Love Lost. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it has visuals too. Tell me how you even came up with that one there. Okay, there is a, a little young, um, well, he's not really young. He's been doing his thing, but, you know, he's not known out there to the masses yet. Mm-hmm. And um, my cousin had introduced me to him to to kind of guide him musically and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we never started working together until around 2020. Okay. And um, he, you know, he's, he's, he's a go-getter. I mean, no one can discourage him musically. Mm-hmm. Even if him do something where everybody said, no, that don't sound good. He said, I'm going to show them. Hmm. 
you know. So I love this drive. I love this his energy. I love the fighter that he was, you know, and is. And so, you know, he he helped me out with a lot of stuff too, uh, during the pandemic and stuff and whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, where if I needed help to pick up anything, he would pick them up for me and he would do, you know. And so I said to myself, you know what? How can I repay this young man? And so I said, you know what? I'm going to introduce him to some people in the industry and I'm going to record a song for him to help to push his label out there. And that's how that song came about. You know, I, I, I told him I wanted to do some dance all. I said a long time and I do not know hardcore, you know. Mm -hmm. So he sent me several redeems and my, I said, no, 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 no. Until I heard one and I'm like, yeah, that's all. And he's like, how do you hear anything on that? <laughs> <laughs> but in my little head, you know, it's like Tutsan and people, we eccentric. So we yeah. hear sounds where nobody else would hear it. And I just wrote that song and... You know, we're going to the studio. As a matter of fact, he was out of he, he he was out of town when you know I went to the studio and I just recorded it and sent it to him. And, okay. And you know, we ended up doing the video and stuff together and all of that. And so that's how Love Lost came about. And what's the reception like since you've now put out a song and visuals to accompany the song also? A lot of people love it. Um, we still have to be pushing. Because you know how this music business goes. Um, and this is something that I always wonder, but I, I'll come right back to it, you know, just stick up in right there. Mm -hmm. But the, the the reception has been good. But as I say, we have to, because it's it's a independent label, it's not a big name brand label. Mm -hmm. You have, I have my typical fan base and my media base mm -hmm. that. Anything Twiggy comes with. The Twiggums. They, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. The Twiggums. <laughs> they they just run and they gr grab it and they promote it because they want to see. And for the most part, that fan base mm -hmm. are not Jamaicans. Mm -hmm. They're every other culture, nationality. But one and two, the, the, the few Jamaicans, Muda just hug them up and kiss them up like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. The rest of them are foreigners. Mm -hmm. So they run with my stuff and all of that. So the reception is good. So we have to be trying to push it to get out there to the the Jamaican audience. But you know the Jamaican audience, they they tend to follow the hype mm. and the excitement and stuff and whatever. Whatever the 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 newest hottest person right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And that yeah. doesn't mean the newest hottest person right now is great. Is gonna be but they're not even going to be the newest, hottest person next week because mm -hmm. we're on to the next mm -hmm. newest, hottest person. Yep. So it's to, it's that that thing where it's nice to be in that wave, mm -hmm. but that wave, you could get washed away so quickly. That wave will just wave. spit you out. <laughs> yeah, but see, the, the sea come up and, and, and the wave come up on the sand yeah. and whatever <laughs> come out of the water just leave <laughs> on the sand. That's what it is. You're hot this week. You have the big song this week, but next week you're not guaranteed that. And mm -hmm. that's just how Jamaica Jamaicans and the music are. works right Yeah, there. Jamaica. You know I mean? And uh, I, the, the point I was going to make now, because it's something I always ask, and so I'm going to make it on your your program. Um, okay. In the music business, right, it, it's, it is 
three different categories, mm. or maybe four-ish. You have a reggae, like the Barry Salmon reggae mm -hmm. and stuff or whatever. Then you have culture. Then you have roots rock reggae, like Toots and mm -hmm. Burning Spirit and them people. And then you have dancehall, right? Roots rock reggae, culture, and dancehall get a whole heap of, like, the, the, those artists will get all the shows, mm -hmm. you know, if you, if, if, you know, all the shows, because somebody's always catering to them. But reggae, like lovers rock reggae, soft reggae, yeah. you hardly get anyone catered to us. And, you know, me, me, they're on two sides of the fence, dancehall and lovers rock reggae. Mm -hmm. But I notice when they're doing the events, Unless it's somebody that really loved the softer side of reggae. And that's a rare case, you know? Okay. You, you'll see culture shows. You'll see everybody will sing culture upon shows and tours every single year. Mm -hmm. In Europe and stuff, you'll see those same people on these tours there, but you never really see them calling the, the reggae lovers. aside that, the lovers reggae. And mm -hmm. I'm like, so why is that little genre within the genre there, you know? Because that is what reggae music is. Love. Yeah, and it's comprised of that. And it's like nobody wants to put the reggae artists on their shows. And it's like, for me, that's another thing that that frustrates me. Yeah. And, and then Pantapoid, when you're a woman, oh, <laughs> Why well, it, it rough Bowie, you know? Mm -hmm. It rough Bowie. Doesn't matter how good you sing. It's what I find with women in a lot of music industry, it's looks, as in what are you showing first? Talent after. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. How much skin could you show first? And mm -hmm. then talent after that. And the funny thing is, uh, when I broke into the industry, Nobody never really even knew what I looked like. Mm -hmm. Everybody could only imagine. Yeah. They, they hear the voice and they're picturing this mm -hmm. really beautiful girl. And so when they did see me, you know, you know, I was a little cutie at the time, you know. Of course. And so I mean, I still a little cutie at the time, you yeah, know, of course. The time was, of course, we're agreeing. <laughs> oh, you know. So, well, I agree with a little cutie now. <laughs> Of course. Yes. So, God. Yeah, but um yeah, so when they did see that that was like a plus, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, she cute, you know, and but I wasn't showing no skin, maybe a mm -hmm. little belly at the time, you know, a little belly skin, but yeah. I wasn't showing no skin. I was always dressed, you know, you know, and just just more classy. Yeah. So Back in our days, women could be more dressed and, and still get attention. But the thing is, if you notice the songs that get the most attention, especially in Jamaica, were the dancehall songs. Mm -hmm. If you notice when most people are introducing, um, like interviewing me, they always talk about um, penthouse, 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 shocking vibes. You, you had to hear them mention Bobby Digital. And it was because those songs were more, and Bobby Digital had dancehall songs, you know, but 
in a more Mature reggae kind of, of, you're not sure mm-hmm. what to call it, you know? Yeah. So, it, the talent, the talent, people love the talent also, but nowadays, it's more about skin and how much breast you can show and, you and know. And who could go further than the last person? If this person showed up to their knees, who could show up yeah. to pass that? Yeah. You and went up here, who yes. could go past that? Yes. Now? And they're all and and then and then you you go up here. Who can go out there naked? Yeah. Okay. You went out there naked. I'm gonna go out there with three people naked. <laughs> it's just there's always a. You have to outdo somebody. There's always a different level to it. Mm-hmm. You understand? And yep. it's it's interesting, especially when you have that God given talent. Whereas you said they don't even need to see me because I have that talent, and you're not getting the highlight Mm -hmm. the push the endorsement the believe Mm -hmm. like how you believe in yourself other people believe in you too just for whatever reason Mm -hmm. you understand and you know the funny thing is the people that that have always been around they always seem to believe in me or else they would not have worked with me because they they were all people that don't play with music Mm -hmm. but they were it was always a crew Back then, mm. back then the 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 whole labels were crews, mm-hmm. and then you know it's more men than women, so you know they automatically just start pushing a particular man or a particular you know boy or whatever, and everybody else have to just take back seat. Mm-hmm. So it's weird the industry. It's yeah. it's very very weird, you know. It's crazy. Another one now, you've been busy in 2020, 2022, is another song that you came up with, When I Think of You, for mm-hmm. Penthouse. How do you even say, okay, you know what, I'm going to go back, link with Jermaine, and put together this song here? How did you guys come up with it? Um, Jermaine and I, we never really lost our link. Mm-hmm. You know, for a minute, you know, when I was with Shocking Pipes and stuff, I was just focusing on Shocking Pipes, but... After everything and stuff, and you know, you know, Jeremy said, Yo, when it, you know, pass on the student thing, you know, and we always, you know, you pass on, and once you pass on, him always have something for you, you know, like, Yo, you know, this is what we're working with now and stuff. So you, you know, you, you take it and you say, When one of the rhythms was, and I don't know, I don't know. Why I wrote that song? Mm-hmm. I mean, never did take on nobody. <laughs> and um, I don't know. Maybe I was in love and I didn't realize I was in love. I don't know. But that was a song that came up just from my vivid imagination. Mm-hmm. And it's such an awesome song. I wish that song would would be highlighted more, you know? Mm-hmm. It needs to be added because people, even nowadays when... People hearing it for the first time, they're like, wow. The production value, everything about it. Everything about it, how I even voice it. It's like that that chemistry with me and Jeremy. And mm-hmm. You hear it in the song. You, you, people always say it, and, and I won't fight it. They always say, your, your productions with Jeremy just sound different yeah. from everybody else. It's just a thing... We me and the germs have, you know? 
it's like uh, and without even trying and we don't even know but when we work together it just sounds it just happens it just happens you the know magic happens yeah so that song that song in particular i really would revive that i mean it's not dead because it just came out mm -hmm. last year but i would really take it in hand and and push it like really, really push it. it can be a major song of course for sure you mm -hmm. understand. Twiggy, mm -hmm. I know there's still 8 million more stories that you didn't tell me, you know. But we're going to save that for the next time I see you again. Because, again, it's the Jimmy Cliff, that one that caught me off guard. The uh, Mark Wahlberg, Wal Wahlberg, that mm -hmm. caught me off guard. So many things you said just catches me off guard. Yeah, you're just here, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, oh, yeah, I forgot. Yes, Walt Disney, oh. Yeah, Netflix, oh, yeah, $100, $100 million, yeah, 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 you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, let me tell you one before you end. Barry Simon, mm -hmm. no disturb sign. Twiggy and Pamela. Wow. <sighs> I hope that people really appreciate you for the work you've done because it's, your fingerprint on the pulse of reggae music, music coming out of Jamaica, is nothing short of amazing. You know what I mean? Thank you. And I hope so, too. I hope yeah. I do appreciate it. Yeah, because in the first interview, we talked about the Beanie Man stuff. All of these stuff, all of these crazy stuff. Because, again, we didn't go down that road because we spoke already. That's mm -hmm. why we left this for a totally different conversation. But what you've done, when, when do we get in the book? You know what? I, I should get started with it because mm -hmm. everybody asking me about that book mm -hmm. or a biopic or something, you know. I should get started with something Even like that. Even if it's something where you get up today and, oh, you remember something that you haven't remembered for a long time, just jot it down. Just keep making notes, 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 notes. One day it would make sense when you compile it all together to really see what you've seen, felt through your eyes with your own words. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yeah. Yeah. I, I It will be pretty exciting from the start to finish because, yeah. yo, yo, Twiggy have a mean little history going yeah. on. Yeah. Do you think no normal? No, 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 no. Not, not by no stretch of the imagination. Mm -mm. You understand? They want to check you out for dub plates. Hold on. Before I ask, you brought up something earlier. Mm -hmm. A commercial that you and Nadine Sutherland had done. Right. Tell, tell me about that commercial there. That's still on to the stadium set. Um, you know, when we were with like Bart's Garden and the crew, you know, mm -hmm. we used to do all the what would you say now, the, the corporate um uh jingles and yeah. stuff, you know. So we, we did stuff like Victoria Mutual Victoria Mutual and stuff like that. And and C B and you know, all those ads and stuff, all mm -hmm. them stuff. But there is one in particular. Yeah. One in particular that we did for Island Dairies. And that one is the one that plays in Jamaica up to this day. From north to south, east to west. <laughs> Island Dairies is Jamaica's best. You know, that, that one still plays up to this day. Mm -hmm. And I even did um uh, the the bigger soft drinks inception. I was there 
like an ambassador for, for a while at the beginning, okay. you know. And so I did the audio and the visual, general be myself, that massive, bigger, soft drink commercial. Yes. That PPC on TV. Hey, bigger, you bring me up every day. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I've been, I've been there, I've been around, been around the world and I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Amazing. You want to check you out on social media, dub, shows, link, whatever. Leave some contacts right now if anybody you want to big up. Anything else you want to say? The floor is yours 100% before I get you out of here for just this time. Okay, so for social media, um, my YouTube channel is Twiggy Music. My website is twiggymusic.free.fr. Uh, I have a French webmaster. And... Um, Facebook, one of them um, is Twiggy Music, Twiggy. So Twiggy Music, Twiggy, as in T-W-I-G-G-I, M-U-S-I-C, and then T-W-I-G-G-I. Then the other one is just T-W-I-G-G-I. So always remember, Twiggy with an I. Some of my songs you will see with a Y because I had eventually changed the name when I found out that there was uh, an artist slash actress slash model in London with the name spelt the same way. Mm -hmm. So for it to avoid copyright infringement issues, I changed it to T-W-I-G-G-I with an I. Um, also for, for Instagram, Twiggy Music. Twitter, Twiggy Bird. And um, if you, you know what, if you can't remember all of that, just Google Twiggy Music, mm. T-W-I-G-G-I-M-U-S-I-C, and everything will come up, Twiggy, okay? And, uh, you know, for, you know, dub plates and double works and stuff, you know, you can all find me on my social media. And if if you're all serious, then you might just be able to get a contact and stuff and we can talk, you know, on a more private and more personal level and stuff. But big up to you, first and foremost. Thank the link you. up again. Thank you. And and I should say big up to the most I got, you know, mm -hmm. and sound like me the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> big up to Father God, you know, because he made his possible and thing and, you know, and Big up to everybody that has always stood in my corner. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody that always supports Twiggy, no matter what. Even when it don't sound or look like Twiggy's doing anything, you guys are always here. Thank you so much. And don't stop support. Go check out Love Lost, my new music and video. It's on all platforms. Go check out When I Think About You, Penthouse Records. Trust me. When they hear them, them bad, them bad, them bad. My God will never let us down. Never let us down. Just check out everything. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be letting you guys hear another one call like the first time. Okay. Like the first time even blow my own mind. The lyrics. Yeah. I'm listening to it. I'm like, yo, you can't write. <laughs> you know, so I have so much more stuff in the making and whatever and Always trying to, to, to stay positive, always trying to create. And mm -hmm. for all the young people out there that wants to become a part of the music industry and, 
you know, think that it's, it's all about just running out there fast. Tell you what, hone your craft first. Mm. You know, just stay focused and come out there with your talent, not with your body or anything like that. Come out there with your talent. And when the gate open, it will just, things will just fly. And, and you know, even so, stay focused and positive to your sister. Well, because she said it, now she gets her outro. I couldn't say anything more because how she just packaged it, she said it for you so well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two-Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast, The Pull-Up, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusicut.com.